Hi and welcome to episode number 106 of The Expansive. If you're new here, this is our weekly show where we discuss global events and share ideas that really push you to expand your thinking and your reality. If you've been with us on this journey for a while, then thank you for tuning in again. We really love having you here and we always look forward to each episode that we get to share with you. For the newcomers, my name is Eric Kruger. I'm a keynote speaker and author, and it's really my job to help leaders become formidable in the face of uncertainty. And with me, as always, is my ever-elegant co-host, who is now back in Dubai, Mr. John Sane. And John is a future strategist, and he creates keynotes, masterclasses, and books that help people, businesses, and brands forge the future they want. That's quite the intro there, John. Uh, before I don't we get know, I into, I was going to say that about your <laughs> intro, right? I was like, "Geez, your intro is amazing." Good for the listeners, we have somebody who helps us with our production, and so we're reading these intros. You're like, "Wow, that's an impressive intro." We didn't write it ourselves. But yeah, carry on. Before we get into the episode, um, I'd like to ask you to hit pause and take thirty seconds to quickly head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify to leave us a rating. Uh, if you've been listening to the show for a while, this small gesture always goes a long way in helping us to grow the expansive community. Um, plus, we also always love hearing from you. Uh, we are always sending each other WhatsApps with uh, DMs we receive or the newest ratings that have come out. So uh, we love, love hearing from you. And with that being said, John, uh, how are you, brother? Yeah, no, I'm very good. Thank you, Eric. Uh, it's always a little bit daunting moving cities and countries and hemispheres, in fact. So yeah, it's been it's been a little bit sad leaving my friends, leaving my cold water routine, leaving Bean, leaving just my routine, you know, my mm. life in Cape Town. I love Cape Town so much, um, but I'm very excited to be here. Um, I understand that uh, all transitions have a time in the wilderness, a space of emotional sort of uncertainty, and that's kind of what it's been for the last couple of days, uh, and uh, quite emotional as well. You know, I've cried a couple of times, just like going through the process of processing the transition, mm. but uh, all in all feeling good. I'm feeling upbeat this afternoon and uh, got a couple of things planned off to Egypt on Saturday. So yeah, I've got a, got a bunch of things keeping me busy. So I don't have to sit with that sort of emotional space. How is Cape Town since mm. I left? Everything's still okay? I mean, Everything's has the okay. power gone off? Because that usually happens when I leave the city. Yeah, but, now that uh, the mayor has left, but remember you passed me the baton. So like everything is actually going to, it's, it's actually getting better since you've left. Better. The weather has been great. The, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the water is yeah, a bit yeah, warmer yeah, for some reason. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad uh, you're going your new city. So before we yeah. go into today's uh, topic of skills of the future, right? Yeah, that's the one. Uh, on everybody's lips is uh, the war. And it uh, seems to be what's going on out there. And we were talking off, off air about the propaganda machine that's fully in uh, place at the moment. And uh, we have the propaganda machine of America and the UK giving us all the things we need to be believing. But there's always two sides to every story and we never want to see humanitarian issues where people are dying and losing people and pets and animals. But I think that it's important for us to just have an objective viewpoint when we're looking at these things around how NATO and America have protected our lifestyles in many ways, but also sometimes play unfair. And uh, I know you had some ideas around mm. that. Uh, what, what were you thinking, Eric? You know, I, it's really difficult to discern what is true and what isn't true. Mm. And, and I, I find it harder and harder as time goes on to differentiate between what is true and what isn't true. And yeah. I think if, if I find it hard and I'm someone who tend to be quite discerning about the content that I consume, I'm Very. quite analytical. I want to make sure I have the right source or I mention the right kind of thing. 
if I find it hard, then I think people who just blindly share things that tug on an emotional heartstring somewhere, um, they're getting it wrong all the time almost. Because, you know, so I was watching this guy and he was saying like the, um, you know, the media is doing what they always do. They contorting things, they um, reporting on yeah. things that aren't true. And it yeah. so quickly makes its way into mainstream that you see it everywhere and you start believing it is true. So he was talking about, for example, there were two examples. Um, the one were these sailors that were apparently like uh, captured or something at Snake Island. Um, and it turned out that it wasn't 13 sailors, it was like 48. And they didn't like say like F you to the Russians. They actually got captured and they were taken away, but quite nicely, like not in a, in a harsh yeah. way that was reported. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was all untrue. And then there was this like this thing about the ghost of Kyiv. Um, do I, am I pronouncing that correctly? Kyiv? Kiev. Kyiv. Kiev. 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 Um, yeah. So the ghost of Kiev. And it's this fighter pilot who's apparently shot down like eight Russian aircraft. Um, mm. And he's like, so it's cool, right? Like the ghost of mm. Kiev. It sounds amazing. Yeah. And yeah. like you see these videos of, of him flying overhead in the, in the city. False. Doesn't exist. It's like old footage that they showed. And like even one of the sort of big names in the Ukrainian like politics tweets it out. Like a verified account tweeted out a photo of this dude. It isn't even a dude. It's a woman. And this photo is like five years old. But it's so easy to get it wrong. And I think what we're just seeing is that um, war is actually being waged on multiple fronts. It's on the battlefield, but it's also in social media. And we have to be so careful of what we share. And so um, I, I think for me, it's just been a personal reminder again to be a bit more discerning, a bit more um, follow the right kind of sources and just don't just trust everything you see. Don't just think immediately because I see it online, it's true. See it online and go, is this true? Yeah, look, I mean, it's such a great point. And then you try and think about how many other things we've been duped into. <laughs> it's like throughout <laughs> our lives, how many of these things have just been rubbish? And we've been like, had arguments with our friends about things that were just false, you know? Yeah. One of the heartwarming stories I did see was, two two heartwarming stories was the, the Russian soldier that, well, I don't know if it's even a true story, but it made me feel good. <laughs> the Russian story, the Russian soldier messaging his mom saying it's really hard at war, you know, and crying actually. And the Ukrainians giving him rusks. So, you know, again, I'd like to believe that. The one story I absolutely think is true is people fleeing with their pets. And it was a picture that said, so next time you think you can't move with your pets, please use these guys as a symbol oh, yes. that you yeah. can move with your pets. Only mm. an idiot doesn't move with these pets. You shouldn't have had that pet in the first place. Um, I'm adamant that, yeah. uh, I don't know if you know, my it's... bio says uh, when John is not on stage or writing books, he's always trying to get people to adopt the dog. So I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing that more and more into my, <laughs> into my arsenal of things that I do. I write books, I keynote speak, I, um, I'm a strategist, and I get people to adopt dogs and judge people who don't adopt dogs. Well, Yes, for... that's you guys. Yes, you <laughs> for those who don't know, one of John's uh, lifelong dreams is to build a massive Animal shelter. I don't know if it, it's yes. not really. A... It was going to be called Super Dog Sanctuaries, mm -hmm. and it's really about changing the way we do shelter dogs. And I don't like them behind cages. It breaks my heart going to them. Uh, in fact, I can't go and see them because I want to just rescue all of them. So, you know, over the next ten years or so, I think it will start coming into fruition when I start settling down and and really start 
you know, taking on another, another phase of my life. So that would mm. be the next phase of my life and I cannot wait for it. And uh, yeah, and anybody who's listening to this, I have a very, very, very uh, powerful and amazing lady called Kim who uh, speaks to animals. And if you ever want to speak to your animal, uh, trust me, it is unbelievable, the level of detail. And I'm also going to be learning that skill from her. So if you want to DM us, I'll send you Kim's number with pleasure. But uh, I'm going to be learning that skill as well. Have you not started already? Wonderful. Sorry. Well, I was supposed to. And then with the move and everything that's going on, I just didn't, I wasn't centered enough. But I will start centering. And uh, yeah, I will definitely be uh, sharing people. And you know what else happened with the podcast, which I thought was really great? The place that I, I used to eat at at Cape Town every day, twice a day, three times a day, Vagabond. Uh, lots of people heard about that. And even when I went there, the guy from Vagabond was like, geez, thanks so much for mentioning on some podcast. And I guess, let me give some context to the listeners. As Eric and I were talking off air, that this podcast gets so far with so many people, like in the arbest of places, Eric and I get stopped and thanked about the podcast. So thanks to everybody that's listening. We are so grateful, so delighted and surprised that so many people are listening to it. Uh, it's always a wonderful sort of, aha moment when we hear somebody's listening mm. so thank you to all of you and it's growing steadily and uh, please do share it with friends and family that you think could benefit from hearing it but let's get into today's topic eric yeah because i think it's a big topic and i think we're going to come at it from very different angles we decided last week to talk about skills of the future but last week when we were recording the war had begun and it was very heavy on our hearts and uh, we wanted to talk about the fact of the fourth turning and kind of how a war was kind of the end crescendo of an old world collapsing. And this is exactly what this war is, just like World War II, the end of a crescendo of structures um, and uh, a sort of society uh, coming to heads with each other, you know, and this is exactly what's happening here. It's the East meets West, the West meets East. Uh, same that happened with Hitler and Mussolini, and this is really the times that we're in at the moment. Uh, so we decided to focus on that subject. But today, we want to go to skills of the future. And, and uh, you know, I know Eric uh, thinks about these things in much more um, practical manners. I always think about them much more in philosophical manners. And so I think we're going to have a great show just explaining the way I see it and the way you see it. And think about the skills of the future in two very clear manners. Mm. Uh, Eric, any ideas before we kick in? Yeah, no, um, I've been thinking about it quite a bit because obviously like we always, we in the, the field of skill development, um, actually like everything we do is about helping people to shift their thinking or shift their behavior. And I mean, that's ultimately what we try and do the whole, the entire time is help people to learn the skill of um, a new way of doing things or a new way of assessing the world, a new way of making decisions right. in the world. So yeah, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah, kick us off and let's, let's take it from there. Okay. Okay, so look, where, where my thinking was, and I do this in one of my talks, is around the concept of always shifting to a new cycle that we're going through. I wrote about it, I touched on it in Future Next, my last book. But really what it is, is if we, if we take a, an idea back to 500, 600 years ago, as humans, we were all agricultural agriculturally skilled. In other words, we needed to understand the soil, the seasons, and really get to grips with 
how important our bodies were when we were working in the fields. In fact, if you, if you weren't strong or if you were deformed in any way or handicapped in any way, you really were handicapped in a massive way because you needed your body to work those fields for 16 hours a day. And with that, you would be able to go to the market, trade some of your products while also feeding your family. The skill set was passed down from generation to generation for hundreds of years. And really did well because we developed communities for the very first time. We created cities. I mean, the Mayans and all those ancient civilizations were really created because there was farms everywhere, you know, and they could feed the population. Before that, there was none of that. So farming and agriculture was a really big step for humans and really did develop communities, towns and cities and actually civilizations in all, you know. But then about 200 years ago, um, well, if it depends on when you calculate it, when the Industrial Revolution began, 1700 sometime, which makes it about 300 years ago, um, if not more, we started to see the beginnings of a new civilization being birthed. And in this new civilization, there's one clear shift. And the clear shift is we had to start moving or using a different part of our body, a different skill set that we hadn't used before. And so because we just needed to understand the soil, the, 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 the seasons and our bodies, when the Industrial Revolution began, those skill sets became irrelevant. And so what we saw in the Industrial Revolution is that the factories themselves started to replace our bodies. And it doesn't matter how much you understood the seasons or the soil, it didn't matter inside the Industrial Revolution. It didn't really matter inside the, uh, the sort of production lines that we were starting to focus on. And so we started to use or teach a new skill set. And this new skill set is called IQ. And really, IQ wasn't something you needed to understand or even really understood where to learn it before the Industrial Revolution became a thing. And the IQ idea is this left-brain, logical, process-driven thinking that we have all gone to school, university, and actually maybe even practice in our jobs still today. And so it's this concept that we have had much experience for hundreds of years learning left-brain, logical, process-driven, IQ-driven thinking. And it's really made us very successful. Unfortunately, at the peril of nature and even our own human uh, existence, because we want absolute outcomes through a process of logical out, um, outcomes-based thinking. And this has been IQ for the last few hundred years. Now, we are now evolving into a new world, a world called the quantum future. And as we transition into this new quantum future, the leap is even bigger from the agricultural leap into the industrial revolution leap. And just like factories replaced our bodies and we had to develop a new skill, we now need to realize that our IQ, our left brain logical process driven outcome thinking is being replaced by AI and data. And that is a very tough thing to want to compete against. In fact, it's impossible to compete against. Just like our bodies was impossible to compete against factories, we now have AI, data, and these things are now going to start replacing the very specific intelligences. Now, we know that AI is not generally intelligent yet. It's very specifically intelligent. In other words, the smartest car in the world can't make a toaster. No, it's not a toaster, can't make bread toast. So, it's very specific. But remember that automation is all about repetition, pattern recognition and pattern repetition. And so it can do it much better, much faster, much cheaper and forever with no downtime. So our intelligence, our left brain thinking is really 
something that we need to realize that is not a skill set of the future, but a skill set of the past. Now, I'm not saying throw logic out the window. I'm just saying that for the moment in this transition period, realize that all the jobs that are being replaced or parts of the jobs that are being replaced are the ones that are automatable and that have patterns that repeat themselves, things that we were all taught at school and at university. And remember, our curiosity and fascination and excitement were never celebrated at school. Following a process that was written already for us to learn, like parrots and like robots, was the thing that we would get paid for and increase our opportunity to grow in a career inside the corporations. So what is the news? I think let tell you something. Um, sorry, I was, just, yeah. I was watching a YouTube video yesterday, um, and they were saying that uh, an AI, like one microchip, can do 50 to 100 trillion equations in a second. Exactly. So like you, how, how do you compete do you against compete? that? No, yeah, you, you, don't. Can't, you can't compete. You don't. No, I mean, there was also another one that said that lawyers, you, you now have an AI that can go through like, I don't know, something that would take a bunch of lawyers 92 hours was happening in three seconds. Like, mm. so it's, just, like it's just, you're talking about a different paradigm here, right? It's almost like a car against a man running. I mean, yeah. it's just, there's no comparison. It's, a mm. different, it's in a different league and there's no point trying to. So when people are complaining about job losses and it's unbelievable, it's unfair, but I mean, how can it be unfair? It's progression. You have to upskill yourself. And so, I mean, many countries don't want to bring any advancements because it's going to get people to lose jobs, which I think is short-sighted, right? And we all have to upskill ourselves to move ahead. So the skill of the future, and it's not a skill that we will need in the next couple of years, but actually a skill we'll need over the next chapter of where humanity is going. And so the skill set for me is a skill set called intuition. And intuition is often thought about as a yogi, lentil eating, sandal wearing, hessian wearing human being which really is something that is on the fringes of society right now. And la-di-da, schwa-di-da, please like the lentil and the joint. The lentil, sorry. I mean, the incense and the joint. And so those are the ideas of what intuition people think it is. But when I ask audiences, what is intuition? People will come with mostly one response, gut feel. And it's this concept of gut feel that I want to unpack because you can't make money from gut feel, really. Not right now. Um, but it's, it's got the subtlety, it's got like nuances that we can apply to certain aspects of our lives. But remember, when most of our basic needs are almost free because of technology and almost decisions are made for us because of AI and because of data, and let me just have a quick caveat. People say, oh my God, technology's taking over. I can't stand it. It's terrible. It's overtaking our lives. And then I'll ask them, did you use Google Maps to get here? Oh, yes. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> did, you, did you WhatsApp 15 <laughs> people on your drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I did, I did, I did. So yes, we all hate technology, but we all use it consistently, mm. continuously, and all the time. So I, I mean, people that bash technology, it seems like it's just the flavor of the month. Did you want to do that? Because I, I'm, I'm not like that. Technology is neutral. And I, and I think it's great that it's adding so much value to us. So when all our rudimentary issues are taken care of, when music is chosen for us and our directions are taken care of and cars are driving for us, we now have an opportunity to actually think about things that are creative, intuitive, exciting, fascinating. We're coming away from survival to thrival. And in this space of thrival, I want to unpack intuition as a skill set for the future. And in my brain, it has four steps. And when you think about gut feel, I think you have to become very clear that gut feel isn't something you should trust all the time. And the reason I say that is that many of our gut feels are tainted by traumatic memories. And so these traumatic memories become the very first thing that we need to actually start to unpack, 
recalibrate, heal, and evolve. And so one quick example is I got bitten by a dog when I was four years old. And the dog just came out of, a, out of somebody's house, came and bit me and ran back. And I feel terrible forever, but my dad and mom were besides themselves and they reported the guy to the police. I think the dog got shot, to be honest. Uh, I mean, it's embarrassing to say, yeah, yeah, because you're not allowed to bite people. Mm. So, I mean, I've never actually even shared that story. I haven't even said that story in my own head for the last 30 years. But yeah, I, that's what happened. And we, we weren't really friendly with dogs back then. You know, I didn't understand the intelligence of them. And so... That, that issue tainted my relationship with dogs for many years. I was petrified of dogs. And so now I, I can't love anything more than a dog. So what's my gut feel? My gut feel was wrong. It wasn't a real gut feel. It was, it was tainted. So what we have to do first and foremost, and I've spoken about this pretty much in every single one of my books and all my talks, is this idea of wisdom. And wisdom is healing our past, is really having memories with no triggers, is moving from unconscious memories to conscious memories. And Matthew McConaughey's book, which I'm listening to right now, which is unbelievable, called Green Lights, he talks about green lights. It's like these things are green lights. They are conscious memories, not unconscious things that have happened to us. They're not painful. They're actually showing us new ways of moving forward. And my favorite quote is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He says, the knowledgeable man is the man or the person with memories with no triggers, is that you're constantly in a state of great gratitude and moving into the future, thinking that everything is rigged in your favor, as Rumi put it. Live life as if everything is rigged in your favor. So not a tough, not an easy thing to do, but as you grow consciously, as you become more aware, you start to realize that in hindsight, many things that happened to us that were painful in the moment really were fantastic things. So the first thing is wisdom. Clear your past so that your gut feel is clear, clean, and actually real rather than it being tainted by past memories. Let me mm. stop here quickly. Any no, I love that. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. To making decisions based on fascination and excitement and uh, a curiosity, something that has never been celebrated in a world which asks us to fit in, not fit out. And our unique this will become the currency of the future where we can add value only in our way, in our ingredients and in our tonality. Curiosity becomes the second scenario of intuition. And remember, intuition is a behavior. It's not just a thing. So a behavior to clean your past, a behavior to follow your curiosity and your fascination. The third, imagination. Because the society we come from is addicted to certainty, we have something that UNESCO's Future Literacy Program calls a poverty and reimagination. And so we have a poverty and reimagination in our society because we're so addicted to certainty. And so we need to start imagining, conceptualizing, thinking about the future. Two examples about people that have imagined their futures and became them. The president of Ukraine played a TV personality that was a president in his TV. And Donald Trump, who played the boss. And so both of those people played out their role before they became their role. And people saw them in that role before they voted them into that role. Mm -hmm. If I can't think about how imagination becomes reality in more solid examples than that, then I don't know what, what can prove that to you. In fact, a very quick caveat, I'd love to build a business that has a virtual reality that builds your future. And you can spend the time in your future for 30 minutes a day and come out of it. And eventually that future will materialize in your future. You know? So that's imagination. You know, and then the last um, one is ex I want to quickly just latch on that because um, I'm bringing a video out today that's all about um, reinvention and the labels that we carry. Mm. And there's this idea in labeling uh, in psychology called labeling theory. And they said mm. that the, the label that you choose becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. 
Yes. And like, it's so obvious to us, right? Like we, we see that all the time. This is the perfect, you just gave us perfect examples of that. And yeah. the, the whole idea behind the video is that we get to choose the labels. Like that's the incredible yeah. thing. That's the reimagination part of this is that yeah. we go through life and we accumulate all of these labels that get put on us, whether it's through society mm. or whether it's us doing it to ourselves. And at some point you might look at this and you go, well, this is who I am. I am my labels. But the thing yeah. is you always get to choose new labels. Like labels are useful. Uh, we, we can cover this on another day. Labels are useful, but you always get to choose what your label is. It can either be the thing that keeps you captive or it can be the thing that delivers you into a brand new future. So if you can choose a label for the future, then like, guess what? Mm. Guess where you are going. Guess yeah. what you are becoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've also started rewriting, you know, I've got them here again. I started writing my daily <laughs> My daily goals down again, yes. one by one, every day, every day, every day. So just labeling my future again. Mm. And you know the one label that people use all the time without even realizing it? Oh my God, that's expensive. Mm. Oh, mm. you just labeled yourself poor. Mm. That means it's totally out of reach for you. And another label is, oh, that's too hard for me. Mm. Oh, have you just made that too hard for yourself? Yeah. It's not really hard. You just label it like that. So very mm. good. I thank you very much. I, I appreciate that uh, input. I think it's a great addition to this conversation. And then lastly, for me, experimentation. It's in the action that you're able to bring about your curiosity, your free thinking around a clean gut feel and also around your imagination. So uh, me coming to Dubai is very much me in, in a state of experimentation, in a state of uh, moving out of my comfort zone, imagining the possibilities of what is future. Now, if I had a label that this is going to be a disaster and it's very expensive in Dubai and it's never going to work, then well, I would never make the move, right? I'd stay exactly where I was. So labeling it as a new exciting opportunity with some challenges, but overall something that's going to really blast me into the international space where I do my work, where I do my best work. Um, is something that's already starting to come into fruition because the universe always celebrates courage because you have jumped out of your comfort zone without knowing where you're landing. And that's always something that I think our reality loves for us to do. So intuition, the skill set of the future, according to the research and my thinking, which may, is made up of uh, wisdom, which is clearing your past which is curiosity, fascination, and excitement is how you make your decisions, is using imagination to develop the future that we're moving into, which is actually what my next book is about, Future Memories, and also finally experimentation in the action of, without the base, the need for absolute outcomes, getting us to stay in the present moment, really practicing this intuition becomes a very powerful and very enjoyable process that I'm able to do sometimes, and sometimes I tap out and go back into the old thinking, but most of the time, I'm trying to be as intuitive as possible. Those are my skills of the future. I'm really looking forward to how you're going to come at this. I think, I think we should do mine for the next round because um, uh, we, we're kind of coming up on time. But what, okay. what, I, what I've really enjoyed about this is that, um, so to two things, I, I kind of see the link between learning and intuition a bit better because mm. I think you're learning the curiosity aspect of it. Um, that really fuels and educates, in a way, your in, your intuition, right? Like, do you see it like yes, that? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Because I think it's easy to go, well, oh, my gut feel is X, Y, or Z, but like, it, it's not backed by you having enough information or understanding mm. about a topic. Like, that gut feel is also trained over years. And like you're saying, sometimes mm -hmm. it can be trained in a poor way because you associate certain memories with it. But if we can strip the memory part of it just for a moment, 
then your gut feel becomes better the more of an expert you become, the more information you have, the more knowledge you have, the more you network all your thinking. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And there's a great saying that says um, strong opinions held loosely. And so the thing is, is that being adaptable in your thinking, and I, and I love that, you know, I've really started to practice that as I've gotten older is I go into every situation going, okay, explain to me what you mean. Like, I'm keen to hear, like, why did you do that? Like, why was that happen? And always asking with real genuine fascination is what is your motivating factor? Maybe I could learn from this. I hardly ever go somewhere and think, like, these, these people are idiots. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose I think people who... Uh, don't adopt the idiots, adopt dogs. Yeah, those are idiots. But everybody else, I love with all my heart. Um, I'm just kidding, guys. I know some people have amazing dogs that are purebreds, and that's also obviously okay. So, um, so yes, to have that the adaptability of thinking really comes from a place of fascination because you're constantly fascinated to learn. You're not you're not arriving right. You're arriving in a learning mode. You know, growth mm-hmm. mindset, anti fragile. I mean, how many more books and ideas do we need to develop around this? But all of them need to move the space of curiosity, fascination into the heart because that's where this real power comes from. You know, that endless energy is coming from there. Logic and process-driven thinking runs out of energy very quickly Mm. um, because you're looking for absolute outcomes. In fact, the absolute outcome process there is called a dopamine reward prediction error is we constantly looking for dopamine at the end of an outcome rather than through the process of effort and challenge. And Mm. really intuition gets us to enjoy process, effort and challenge because you're doing what makes you most fascinated without any rubbish stories from the past, experimenting as you're going along and being imaginative of the possibilities of where you're going. And this this combination for me is very, very powerful. Um, And I hope I'm practicing it down to its best abilities right now in Dubai uh, in what I'm doing. Yeah, and, and I think this framework makes it because intuition, w- when we started like going down this path, you know, I'm like, well, how do I learn intuition? And I think you've g- given us the yeah. roadmap for that because it is actually more practical than you might think. It sounds very like, okay, well, like it's my gut feel. Like, what do I do about yeah. that? You know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I think if, if there's two things that I sort of taking away from this is that number one is that you need to gut check your gut check, essentially. Like, yeah. like because, <laughs> you know, and then number yeah. two is that it's actually a very trainable process yes. and, and you've outlined that process for us. So yeah, I think that's very good. Thank you. Um, let's cover um, mine before, in the next session. You, yes. So, so what I was yeah. going to say is let's actually cover labels and your idea yeah. of how to prepare for the future in our next episode. So please do log on for that. Uh, I'm excited to hear it, uh, to see what you have to say. And I look forward to watching your video as well. So thank you for everyone for, for listening. Um, we really appreciate you spending time with us, whether it's in your morning commute or on your run or uh, skipping out from work to listen to The Expansive. We really appreciate <laughs> your time. <laughs> uh, we, like I said in the beginning, we would love for you to actually uh, leave us a review if you find this helpful. Um, we would love for you to share with someone that you think might find the conversation useful or entertaining. And of course, you can always book John or myself to speak at your organization, uh, whether that's virtually or in person, uh, whether it's just one of us or both of us. Uh, you can find out more information at theexpansive.com. And as always, John, it was uh, a pleasure chatting to you, brother. Uh, glad that you are safely in Dubai and settling in, uh, although you are getting on a plane again in like a few days. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a comment. I mean, a, a, a thing popped up from Emirates. Book your flight, and I thought the app was broken, and I forgot I was flying in two more days. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's begun, and I'm excited about it. And thank you for everybody for listening and following us on social media, sharing the journey with you is a joy. Thank you, Eric, and we'll thank catch you. you next week. Goodbye.